If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Thank you, thank you, Shaquille Griffin. You changed the whole tone of the conversation. Thanks for accepting the Jaguars' offer. And it's a handsome one. And now Jaguars' Twitter, Jaguars' fans can take a little bit, a little bit of a breath. You're all crazy, folks, but I absolutely love you for it. Brent Martineau, hanging out of the baseball diamond again. I said, what the heck, let's do it again. It's so nice out. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. I'm already signing up for an Oklahoma drill between Austin Lane and Tyson Alualu. Tyson's coming back to Jacksonville yeah, as well. Jaguars making a lot of moves. Wait, remember we said about six free agents yesterday. We both thought the same thing. I think they're up around ten right now. And they've also signed to one Smoot and Sidney Jones, a couple of their own guys. They're signing them back to the roster. So about a dozen moves now in the last couple of days, all unconfirmed by the team, but certainly trending that way with all the reports. The Jaguars finally get one of those bigger deals done with Shaquille Griffin that makes everybody feel better. Although if you look at the safety with Jenkins and that deal, that was more of a moderate deal, and so was the deal with Robertson Harris, too, yesterday. So they've made three Pretty substantial moves, a lot of other depth moves, and everybody's still waiting to see if there's one more. Curtis Samuel, maybe a tight end in Gerald Everett. Do you trade for Zach Ertz? Is there a pass rusher available? We will see. But with the addition of Griffin, it looks a little bit better than it did just a few hours ago. At least that's the temperature of the fan base. Austin Lane, I thought we were going to be on the couch for three hours. Thank goodness for Shaq Griffin. No, without a doubt. Um yeah, I woke up this morning and I, you know, obviously Hunter Henry goes to the to the Patriots, which was a a heartbreaker to say the least. Um, I, I was skeptical. Um, you know, the, there, there was a couple signings here or there, but nothing that was gonna knock your socks off. Uh, they go out to Sha- Shaquille Griffin and listen. I mean, when you look at the free agency in terms of the cornerback position, he was up there, and, and now you you add a guy in in that cornerback room. I think it takes some pressure off of C.J. Henderson. Um, I think it opens up something for the defense a little more. So I'm, I'm all for it. You have the money. Like I've been saying the, the past few days, you have to spend it. And I think spending it on a corner, uh, probably a true one corner, if you will, I'm not mad at that. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think this does take some pressure off of C.J. Henderson, and we, you know, that was kind of a weird rookie year for him with injuries and very good on a couple of games and just okay the rest of them, uh, the late-night tweeting. I mean, it was kind of an odd rookie year for C.J. Henderson. You start to wonder, did they overdraft him in the top ten? But we'll see. I, I think uh, Urban Meyer talked highly of him recently, so certainly in the plans. But now you look at the collection of corners they have back there, and you add the safety – uh, to go along with Jared Wilson and the Daniel Thomases of the world and some of the other players that they added last year. You know, now you've got a collection of names that seems pretty steady. How dynamic are they? Is this A.J. Boye, Jalen Ramsey? Ah, stop the car, right? I mean, it's not that. But you fortify is probably a good word to use in that back end a little bit for now. That feels pretty good with the signing of the safety Jenkins and the signing of the corner Griffin to go along with what you already had in some young talent. I like it. 
I think that's good. We already know we like the linebacker situation. You had Josh Allen chase on in. Sure, you could maybe use some depth in the pass rushing mode. And now you look at the defense where you do have Devon Hamilton, who could be a really good player for them. You have the veteran Avery Jones. You add Tyson Alualu, Robertson Harris along the way. You know, if that if that signing was Tomlinson from uh, the Giants instead of Robertson Harris, I think some folks would be doing cartwheels right now, Austin. No, without a doubt. I think with Tomlinson, like he was. At least in my eyes, he was the game wrecker. He was the guy that could put your defensive line over the top. Um, you know, and, and, and that's crazy to say from a nose tackle position like that. But I think with the depth that they brought in right now, I'm very curious to see with Dwayne Smoot what the plan for him is exactly going to be because we're thinking right now, and with signing Tyson, it kind of shows this, it's probably going to be a traditional 3-4 defense. You know, that's what Tyson ran uh, in Pittsburgh where he probably had his best – you know, season of his career last year playing the nose technique. So you have your nose technique essentially wrapped up. Now, I think he's going to be going in and out. I don't think he's going to be expected to start the entire game. There's going to be some kind of rotation. I wonder where Smoot is going to fit in that kind of rotation because I see Smoot as a guy who is obviously too big to play outside linebacker, and I'm not sure what he's weighing right now, but he might be a little undersized to play that 3-4 defensive end. So I wonder what they envision for Smoot, but I do like the fact that we're talking about a lot more depth right now on the defensive line at 3-4 defense because that's what I was kind of calling for yesterday. Yeah, and, and it's inter- obviously Smoot, they have a vision for him. They're giving him two years, $14 million, $7 million a year. That's a nice old payday for Dewan Smoot. Good for him. He earned it, you know. Uh, he, he went out there and did it the last few years, and he's been amongst their sack leaders, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, here's what I look at it, Austin. Two major things stick out to me of what the Jags are doing. Uh, three. They really are emphasizing defense, and, and they want to fix this defense. They want to stop the run. They do that. They also... Instead of going to get this blockbuster, and obviously, like, a Leonard Williams wasn't available. So instead of going to get that kind of blockbuster guy, they are really trying to piece together a rotation up front of steady play with not a lot of drop-off. Now, the question is, are you going to get the kind of play that we saw here in, like, here in like 2017 when it's like Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell kind of good and Marcel Darius good? Well, I don't think any of these guys are that kind of players. They'll have to prove that first, and maybe a couple of them come into their own and do that. But let's not get carried away. They're not those kind of guys. But I think they're looking at steady play with less drop-off. And it's interesting because if you get a bunch of six-sack guys, six, seven-sack guys, is that better than going the route of trying to go get the 14- or 15-sack guy? I think the philosophy is mixed on there, but we talked about it yesterday about the pass rush market and the dollars going down a little bit. Maybe more teams are doing this instead of that star pass rusher trying to get more the steady play from all eight guys, or maybe in this case because of the 3-4, a six-man rotation up front, at least at that level, for the Jaguars. But I think it's clear as day they're trying to stop the run and just trying to be steady. Uh, Be steady before you be great because they're very unsteady on that front the last couple of years. Yeah, to me, this screams what Bob Sutton had back in, it would have been 2013 um, when I was there, where you had you had a Chiefs team that was coming off a horrible season just like the Jaguars, but they had the pieces on defense to be successful if they all gelled and meshed together. And on that defense, it was featured a bunch of interior defensive line, guys like Allen Bailey, guys like Mike DeVito, um, you know, guys that you maybe – weren't the household names, but were good at what they were supposed to do. And that was absorb blocks, stop the run, and then let guys like Tamba Ali, let guys like Justin Houston finish them up on the outside. 
That's what I'm envisioning right now for this Jaguars defense from what I've seen so far in terms of the signing and the personnel that they have right now. When I see Caleb on chase on, when I see Josh Allen, those role, like those guys are going to be absolutely monumental in getting to the quarterback. Now you have Miles Jack as well, who you can incorporate in the blitz packages and things like that. It's going to be on those guys. Now, you're going to get some pressure, obviously, from the inside. You, any defense has to. But with all these signings and the way I think this defense is going to go, like I kind of said, it echoes what I saw back in 2013 with Kansas City. This is going to fall directly on the edge guys. So it's important that Josh Allen obviously has more of a season like his rookie year, and Caleb on Chase on makes huge progress going into his second year here in Jacksonville. Yeah, and here's the simple question, man. As you look at this now, they're going to have a, a scheme change. So you go from 4-3 to 3-4, mainly. And again, they'll preach that they will see hybrids, but it's a 3-4 defense. And uh, you just ask the simple question. Are they better than they were last year? Are they better than they were the last couple of years on defense? Uh, I think on paper it looks like they're doing things to fortify. Are they dynamic? I don't know about that. Everything will be relative to 2017. But i got to believe the levels where they had to get better at were right up front, beefier in the middle, be able to stop the run, and get experienced and better and more talented in the back end. I think they've accomplished that in the first two days. I don't want to give them too much credit just yet, Austin, but I do feel like their roster is better on defense today than it was two days ago. It, it, no, it absolutely unequivocally is. And the, the verbiage that I used yesterday when describing like what this team needs, it was savviness. Um, it was the ability to stop the run. And I think you're getting that with some of these guys. I think you're getting that with Tyson Alua, who once again, playing that nose tackle technique, probably had his best season last year. And this kid's 30, I say kid, he's 33 years old, right? But I still think he has some left in the tank. So... I like what I'm seeing from the defense right now in terms of personnel. Obviously, you got to put it all together. Let's not put the cart before the horse, obviously. But what I'm seeing is you're going to see a team this year, in my opinion, that they're putting their guys in position to succeed. I mentioned it last year. I thought Caleb on chase on. I thought his growth was stunted because he was playing out of position. He had his hand in the dirt, and you could tell sometimes that he didn't feel comfortable. I think even Josh Allen is better served standing up the entire time in a 3-4 defense. That's what I called for when he first got drafted. I think we're going to see a lot more guys this year act a little more comfortable. And I think when you're – and I mean that with, with, with the most respectful way. They're going to be pushed. It's going to be a hard training camp, all that stuff. But when the lights are on, you know, and when it's game time, I think you're going to see a comfortable defense on the same page, and that's what Jacksonville's been kind of missing the past couple years. Yeah, I, I think uh, they have tr- – you've said this for years now. I mean, we've been doing this show for over two years, and you've said it pretty much nonstop. You've got to adjust to your player's skill set, put them in the best position to be successful. I say that about anything. Uh, if you're, You want to be put in the best position to succeed as an employee, as an athlete, as a whatever. And so I think uh, that's what the Jags are doing now based on this 3-4, based on this skill set. It looked like they were moving toward one, but they were hesitant to actually full go and move. Not anymore. They are moving toward this 3-4, which, like you just said, accentuates the play of Chason, the play of Josh Allen, even though I think he can fit in anything because he's such a dynamic player. Uh, And so now you are getting the maximum from these talented players. If you... Take a look at what they have right now from uh, Aluwalu to uh, Robertson Harris to Hamilton, Avery Jones, 
Al, uh, I said Al, uh, Smoot, Taven Bryan. Probably missing some folks in there. Well, is, what, is, is Avery Jones a, a free agent, though? Or is he a free did, did agent they him? They haven't re-signed him. Is he a free agent this year? Why do I still have him on the roster? Okay. I thought he was a free agent, but maybe I'm wrong here. He might be. Yeah. So, either way, what do you think the starting three guys up front in this 3-4 would be? Like, how do you see it right now as is what they have? I mean, before they go to the draft and maybe even add some more pieces, like, you got Robertson Harris on one of those end spots. Then yeah. what? Yeah, so I'm taking Robertson Harris on, on one of the end spots. I think that you put Tyson at nose tackle because, once again, he had his best season last year playing that position. I think it's going to be – I think he's going to be asked to do a lot what he was asked to do in Pittsburgh, and that's fine. So I have Tyson right now as a starting nose. I think the other defensive end, um, it's an open competition. I do think you can put Devon Hamilton there. I, I think he has athleticism and the quickness to play that defensive end. Um I think he's had experience playing a two-gap technique before, so that shouldn't be new to him coming from Ohio State because they ran a, a, a bunch of uh, variations in, in terms of defense. So I would probably put, like right now, from what I what I know, I'd probably put Devon Hamilton on the other side then. Yeah, and then so you've got uh, in that set Taven, Smoot, um, whoever else as as rotational guys to back up. That's not bad. You know, it's not bad. It, it appears to be better. It's beefy. Uh, Hamilton's kind of, to me, the X factor because I think we saw some good play out of Devon Hamilton and the ability to move him around. He's such a big body at, at what, like 325? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and the athleticism of him. He has a chance really to, to be the X factor and say, okay, this guy, if he takes off, could make them really good. Right, I mean, because they're betting on a little bit. Obviously, you bet on your draft picks, and this wasn't Urban's draft pick, but Bulky was a part of this, and this was Caldwell's pick of Hamilton. And again, I thought he performed. You could like watch him get better. I, I like that from that position. Someone that doesn't know the in- intricacies of that position, I could see him get better, game in, game out. Well, then you add to that uh, a guy like Robertson Harris, who they think they're investing in him taking a step. Well, you like that, man. I mean, I, I can buy into that. If I'm a fan, I can buy into that that method of thinking, especially with a guy like Leonard Williams uh, getting tagged. And, and I can uh, – sure, Tomlinson was a name everybody threw out there. But if you look at the deal, is there really that much separation between a Robertson-Harris and a Tomlinson along the front in terms of value? He got $11 million a year. Uh, Robertson-Harris got an $8 million a year deal. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the separation there isn't as much as – we all thought because we kept hearing Tomlinson, 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 Tomlinson. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I do think Tomlinson is definitely at least a tier ahead, um, okay. in just my opinion. I just think in terms of productivity, I think in terms of starting experience, um, in terms of intrigue and hype, I think he's definitely a level above. But that's not to say that who they got can't come in and be a contributor right away. And we also can't forget, you know, I mean, a, a guy that kind of gets un, unknown sometimes, but Doug Coston, I thought, you yeah, know, for, for, a, for a rookie campaign, I thought he did pretty well. And he was playing strong at the end. Um, he's going to be in the mix. I think he's going to be another defensive end that gets some rotation time as well. And hopefully he, he can build off of that uh, that rookie season. So that's another guy in terms of depth that you like what you have there. Well, so here's the deal. Three hours, well, five hours ago now, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Typical Jags. What is going on here? 
And now you take a breath a little bit, a handful of hours later, and here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, I thought I was going to have to put a couch in the back of this bed of this pickup truck, and uh, we were going to have some serious conversations uh, and, yeah. and, and really uh, help all you out. But now if you look at it, I think if you look at Robertson Harris, the $24 million, the Shaquille Griffin, uh, the $45 million that it could be, uh, the Jenkins deal, which I think was in between like 35 and $40 million, if you look at what they've done to solidify their defense and add to their defense, if, Austin, from a perception standpoint, they could go find themselves any tight end and a guy like Samuel, either or, like an Everett or Samuel or both, uh, or a trade for Ertz at some point, you now look at the collection of the first couple of days, and, and that might take a while if you're going to trade for Ertz or something, but you may look at this period of time and say, hey, you know what, that wasn't bad. Because about five hours ago, when Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, two guys that we talked about that if you don't get one of them, it feels like you lost free agency, mm-hmm. they both go to the New England Patriots. They both went to the New England Patriots. And the Jags didn't get either one of them. That felt like a swing and a miss. But I think if they add something on offense in terms of a pass catcher like Samuel uh, with speed or anything to the tight end room, I've got a feeling the narrative's going to turn on the way the fans look at this. How about you? I agree with that completely. Um, you know, like I'm not ready to, to throw a parade and celebrate quite yet in terms no. of the, the Jaguars' free agency because, like you just said, they, they still need a tight end. Now they got, you know, Chris Manhurts, who, you know, is – is a blocking tight end, let's be yeah. honest here. In terms of productivity and receptions and all that, um, it, it's lacking to say the least. But He's Ben Koyak. He, he's Ben Koyak, basically. So you still want to see him go in the direction of a tight end because to me I find it very fascinating. I thought it would be the other way around. I thought the Jaguars would, would be loading up on offense and they'd be having trouble on defense possibly because, like, to me the whole Trevor Lawrence factor, the Urban Meyer factor, like, I thought that was going to carry a lot of weight. Um, and be intriguing for free agents to come here and check that out. I, I, I was shocked when Hunter Henry chose to go to New England as well, and I get it. New England is a very storied franchise, winning tradition, culture, Bill Belichick, all that stuff, that's great. But you're essentially going to a spot that just got John U. Smith, so he's taken half your reps. You're going to a spot that has Cam Newton right now as your starting quarterback. Say what you want about that. I was just I was very shocked that, you know, Jackson I mean, as far as we know, maybe they were in the running and it was the last minute he switched it up. I have no idea. But I was shocked that Hunter Henry chose to go to New England. As far as what's left on the table, yes, you have Zach Ertz out there, who I think is still a tier above maybe even Everett, but you still have to address that need. Because we watched Urban Meyer tell us that, hey, we gotta change this whole tight end room around. And with no disrespect to Chris Manhurts, that doesn't get the job done. So while I'm happy that they got some some quality pieces on defense, obviously I'm excited for Tyson Alualu to be back in town. I can't wait to cover him. I mean, it's it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glowing with that. But I still need to see the tight end position addressed because we've talked about it many times, Brent. It's hard to do in the draft and expect the guy to come in his first year and make a difference. Yeah, and I, I wonder if the Jags are going to swing and miss here on the tight end. I will say this. I've got a feeling they were in on Jonu Smith. i got a feeling they were not in that much on Hunter Henry. That was a little, again, you've got to look at it from their point of view sometimes, folks, and you just can't go pick up something that's that you think is, is so risky just to fill the void. And I think already 
free agency is risky, and we know Hunter Henry's risky. Let's be honest. We know the injury history. Everybody brings it up. We're willing to dismiss it because we want a name on the roster. We want somebody who might be dynamic. I'm willing to do it, too. But they might not be. All right, they're spending a little bit more wisely in that sense, playing a little bit more conservative. I would not be surprised if they were never in the Hunter Henry mix. That's I, I'm, I don't have any idea. I just wouldn't be surprised. Well, what, I would be surprised if they weren't in the Johnu Smith mix. Okay, but then what what makes you say that though that they're in the Johnu Smith mix but not the Hunter Henry mix? Because just the injuries. Yeah, but Johnu Smith played in 14 games last year and then played in 14 games 2019 and then he played in 12 games 2018. That's essentially the same thing that um, Hunter Henry did, except he missed the entire year, that one year with, with a knee injury. So like, I mean, if, if you want to go year by year, they both haven't played full seasons. Yeah. And Hunter Henry's by far the more productive guy. So why do you think that they would be more interested in John U. Smith but not Hunter Henry? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, it's just a gut. Okay. Um, and secondly, I just do think Hunter Henry comes with more of that label as a guy who couldn't stay healthy and can't stay healthy enough, and if he's healthy, he's this. Then Janu Smith, who's obviously a little bit younger as well, and, uh, you know, you know, 14 games, then you get down to 12 games, but missing an entire season scares people, you know? That's that's uh, that's a big difference. So I don't know that, Austin. I, I'm not sure. I just wouldn't be that surprised if they weren't in on both guys. And they didn't want to show maybe an act of, of desperate nature, too, and just say, okay, we're going to go get him now because he's the only guy left. That's the way we were thinking from the outside. I don't know. Maybe they were thinking that way. Uh, I just wouldn't be surprised if they weren't. All right, I've got some questions we coming up. One other obvious thing going on here in free agency for the Jaguars that we haven't talked about yet over the last couple of days, but we need to. Also, a little bit later, why are the Patriots spending so much money? This is, this is odd when they really don't have a quarterback they can trust, but they're going all in with Bill Belichick. We'll get to the NFL, more Jags free agency. It's still happening. It's fluid. We'll keep you posted live on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. I, play, I finished hey. second, right? I lost in the championship yeah. to you. Austin Lane. I, hey, you know what? You didn't win, okay? I, That's did, all that I didn't win. Don't, don't worry about what you did last year. You no. didn't win. I okay? didn't win, and yeah. I auto-drafted. <laughs> That's right. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The message he's sending, Al, is this, is that I don't ever want to go through another season like 2020 ever. I'm talking to him in the production meetings for Monday Night Football. That was about as frustrated as I have ever heard Bill as far as not being able to get out of his football team what he's used to getting out of it, which is this top quality performance and execution week after week after week. He wouldn't have had that run of success that he's had if it wasn't for that. So he identified the areas that he needed to make sure he took care of his football team. And that is start it on the inside out and build it front to back. Take care of the lines, second level defense, second level offense, and then the people out on the perimeter. He got Trent Brown back. Trent Brown is going to play his best football for New England. I promise you. He signs Cam Newton back because he needed to have a quarterback in the fold, and then we'll see what happens here in the draft. He needed the fortified to run defense. He got Davin Godshaw. He needed more pass rush, and he needed more studs on the perimeter. What does he do? He goes out and signs Matt Judon. I mean, this right here, this is Bill 101. That is Lewis Riddick talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They're spending a ton of money. They're trying to fix it, and maybe trying to fix it so quickly that this is dangerous territory for the New England Patriots. Are they doing things that other teams don't do? The Patriots didn't do this for years. They didn't mess around with this kind of stuff. And here they are toying with free agency almost to the point where it raises a red flag. I mean, it's like, really? They're spending that much money? Well, Bill Belichick's not a young pup anymore now. He wants to get this right, and he wants to win. I I get that part from Riddick. 
but can you do it overnight in free agency? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. It's like you can spend as much as you want to spend, but how much of a game, how much game improvement do you make in free agency by spending all that money? And I think the Patriots will be an interesting study here. Uh, what were they seven and nine last year, Austin? They were, right? Yeah, they were seven and nine last year. So they're seven and nine with bad quarterback play and really not even a great roster. I'm uh, seven and nine was well overachieving in my opinion mm-hmm. for what I thought they would be. But what's the game improvement going to be with all these guys? Weapons on offense now. They're adding in the tight end room. Other moves that. I think it will be an interesting study to watch, even with the greatness of Belichick and what the Patriots have been. Uh, they're at least giving Cam Newton a chance, and obviously whatever transition they'll make to what I think will be a young quarterback, giving that young man a chance as well going forward. But they are trying to do things a little bit different than they've had to do it in the past. From a tight end perspective, it looks like they're trying to redo Gronkowski and Hernandez on the field. Uh, and that you know, the way they're, they've got Henry and Johnny Smith now, and that could be very helpful to Cam Newton or any quarterback. But we'll talk about the Patriots a little bit more in a bit. Let's stay on the Jags. Brent Martineau and Austin Lane, Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. Hey, it's been a lot of fun the last couple of days in free agency. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, a big turnout yesterday for free agency with all the moves happening. And here we are again today. We'll keep it going because it will be fluid. The Jags have added about a dozen players to their roster. I think it's ten of them now in free agency. A couple they signed, like Dewan Smoot and Sidney Jones, their own guys. Tyler Shatley and Trey Herndon late last week as well. So Urban Meyer, Trent Baalke making a bunch of moves. One thing sticks out to me that we haven't talked about, Austin, and it's simply age. The Jacksonville Jaguars are getting older in a hurry in the last 36 hours. They were the youngest football team in the NFL, and I don't buy into the youth too much. One, because if you look at the Dolphins and the Rams, they too were young, and look what they did uh, last year. So youth doesn't always equate to 1-15 in and being a bad team, but they don't have a lot of veteran guys. And in this new era, Urban Meyer saying, we need guys that have played this game before in this locker room. We like some of our young talent, but we need older guys to show the way. This was a critical mistake Dave Caldwell made back in 2014 especially, but probably even 13, when they tore it all up. They got rid of anybody that was over the age of 29 years old. And they were left with a lot of young pups in that locker room to go find their way. It was one of the big things they did correctly when Tom Coughlin got here and with Caldwell's help as well in 17 when they added first and 16 Malik Jackson then they added even a veteran guy who hadn't played a ton but Boye and obviously the the big papa in uh, Calais Campbell and it paid dividends big time for the Jags I think the Jaguars said you know what we can't be this young we're not even talented enough yet we still could hit some rocky times we have got to be able to get guys in here that know the NFL know the game know how to handle some adversity and they're doing exactly that in the last 36 hours yeah, and to me, you had to do that. It's showing to me that you're learning from from your mistakes. And when I say learning from your mistakes, obviously this is Urban Meyer's first year, but I think he has looked at the past a little bit around here and has seen what has transpired. This is what I was nervous about when they let go of Calais Campbell, when they let go of A.J. Boye. I, I saw essentially Groundhog's Day happen again where it's like we're going to see a repeat of what happened you know, when Gus Bradley took over and they let all the vets go, and it was just a young locker room that was trying to monitor themselves. And when you bring guys like, you know, uh, Rashawn Jenkins in, when you bring guys like Roy Robertson Harrison, like these are older guys that have a lot of experience. And that helps on the field, obviously, but it also helps the younger guys coming along. So to me, 
it had to be done because you don't have enough talent from the young group of guys right now from what I saw last year when you won one game where it's like, all right, well, these guys are young. It's okay. We're going to coach them up, and they're going to be fine. They're still raw. They, they There's still a lot of learning to take part in, and when you bring older vets in that's to show them the way, that's only going to help your culture, and it's only going to help your foundation. Yeah, and if you think about it, Austin, like they were really young in so many positions, and their age dropped big time because of that. But if you look at like their offensive line, that interior is not young at all. Like Andrew Norwell has been around the block. Brandon Linder has been around the block. AJ Cannon now has been around the block. You know, so you have guys that have been in the league to go along with a young wide receiving core, young running back, young tackles, and Cam Robinson. By the way, going in year five, I would assume I would put him in the veteran category now too. So you have some of that to help Trevor Lawrence along, which I like. You know, I think that's a really good thing. On the defensive end, though, you had to rely so much on the talent and also leadership and the maturity of Josh Allen, even though he's brand new to the league. And Miles Jack, was he? did it take him a little bit longer to get to that stage where he could put his arms around a, a young guy? Uh, he was the guy that was getting tutored by Puzz. You know, Joe Schobert now, he's been around a bit. This is now a veteran defense, if you look at the roster, by adding Alu-Alu, keeping Sidney Jones, adding Jenkins, adding Griffin. Uh, this That's pretty good. And so I I like that. The one danger, because it's still a 24- to 30-year-old league, probably more like 24- to 29-year-old league, the one danger is you sign a guy and it starts to go downhill quickly. That's the risk you run, but it's a very moderate risk in a guy like Tyson Alualu. Is his best football behind him? Can he duplicate the year he had last year? They That's free agency. You run the risk that he can do it again, even at the age of 33. Exactly. And th- this team wasn't just one superstar away from, from making a splash in the playoffs. We all understand that. It, it is going to take time. But you still need to spend the money because you can only load up with so many, you know, draft picks and young guys um, and only get so far. So when you couple that with a bunch of older, experienced veterans, well, now that's the right combination. And we'll see how Urban Meyer's coaching style and how his staff addresses everything like that. But I'm just saying from the veteran to young guy mixture right now, I'm not mad at that whatsoever. I'm going to be very interested in this. And, and, again, I'm not telling you here, folks, that this equates to, whoa, look out, they're about to take off now and, and go 9-7 and seven or, or threaten for a playoff position. Don't take it out of context. But as you build this thing, and, again, we know it was a critical mistake of the initial Dave Caldwell-Gus Bradley build. They got rid of too many veteran guys, Daryl Smith of the world. You know, you've got to keep those guys around to help you make a transition. I'll be very interested to see just one simple stat as we head into the 2021 season, and this won't become available probably until around September. What's the average age of the Jacksonville Jaguars? They went from the youngest football team to where are they now? Are they 8th youngest? Are they 14th youngest? I think that will say a lot about the transition that is happening with Urban Meyer and uh, this Jacksonville Jaguars franchise and i would probably lean or credit a little bit guys like shad khan and tony khan for saying hey we don't want to make that mistake again or maybe it was urban meyer and trent Baalke who said you guys made this mistake let's not make that again 
when we're doing this. So, uh, and again, this isn't supposed to be this long build like that was. This wasn't a rip down the roster like they did back in 13 and then wait three, four years to get to where you want to go. I don't think that's going to be the case anyway. And so you can get better quicker with, with veteran guys that know how to get it done. Uh, but I think that's one interesting deal going on in the last 36 hours is the Jags have certainly got a lot older, a little bit wiser <laughs> in that locker room. And we'll see if it pays dividends. Let's bring in South Beach Garrett real quick on free agency. We'll get him on early. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. What's happening? Hey, guys. Frankly, I'm not surprised that Belichick went big on free agency because I remember the soundbite where he was complaining how he was hamstrung with the salary cap last year and, uh, you know, you can only coach so much. And uh, so that didn't surprise me at all. But, guys, and I'm not, not meaning this as to pick on you, but I heard you guys and all many Jaguar fans, all because of Trevor Lawrence, there were going to be offensive free agents that were going to be tripping over each other to get to Jacksonville. And I'm just talking about the offensive side of the ball now. And frankly, Dorsett and Carlos Hyde was the best is the best they can do so far. Yeah, uh, with, with Trevor Lawrence, you know, Trevor Lawrence was this this the, the greatest uh, prospect since uh, Andrew Luck, and he may or may not be, but Jag. Fa- Fans were unrealistic thinking, oh, they were going to get every offensive playmaker in the book. Yeah, South Beach guy, I appreciate the call, man. Uh, listen, that's an okay observation. I think there's something to be careful of here, though. It's a two-way street. You know, right now the wide receiver market, like, listen, the Jags were never going to attract running backs. Tight ends, okay, fair enough point. Johnu Smith, Trevor Lawrence wasn't enough. The money wasn't enough. Urban Meyer wasn't enough. The Jags weren't enough. Okay. Hunter Henry, same deal. So you might be right, South Beach Gary, in that respect. But the wide receiver market now is empty. Nobody's doing anything with the wide receiver market. The wide receiver market isn't being tapped into. Nobody's signing. All those guys, well, I shouldn't say that. For the counter-argument, many of those players might not mind coming to Jacksonville to play with Trevor Lawrence. We know Allen Robinson wouldn't have minded Austin. So we just don't know that. It's not done yet, and we'll see where that lands. The Jaguars didn't have a ton of holes on offense to fill with free agency. You had tight end, add a wide receiver, if you want to do anything in the running back room, but that's about it. So that was going to be the Trevor Lawrence impact at wide receiver, potentially tight end. All right, South Beach Gary, I'll give you tight end. It hasn't worked yet. But let's wait and see on wide receiver and see if the Jags are even going after anybody because right now the rest of the league isn't going after any of these guys. Agreed. And, like, yeah, uh, I get what South Beach Gary is saying, how there was a lot of optimism because of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. I was the one that said, hey, relax with Trent Williams saying that, oh, they get in Trevor Lawrence, like, it's going to be a destination. Like, I, I, I never bought into that narrative. Like, I don't know. I just feel like right now they definitely swung and missed at the tight end position. I just felt like regardless if you have Trevor Lawrence or Urban Meyer, you have enough money to try to coax somebody. Now, whether the the price was too high for Hunter Henry or or John U. Smith, we may never know. As far as the wide receivers are concerned, Smith shoots are still out there. Kenny Gaude still out there. Okay, so there's still there's still a lot of guys out there. And and to be fair, yeah, I wanted Chris Godwin. Like, I mean, I, I was the first one to say they should get Chris Godwin if he's not getting franchise tagged. Well, he gets franchise tagged. It is what it is. I'm not worried about the wide receiver position. I'll be honest with you. If, if they add, you know, Galladay, yeah, that's going to be better. Fantastic. If they add Schmidt Schuster, more power to you. But what I am worried about is the tight end position, and it's as simple as that. Now, when you really have two guys, maybe three guys in Zach Ertz that are like the coveted spots, I mean, 
it's hard to justify saying, well, the Jaguars swung and missed, and like it's all Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence's fault, because let's be honest, there's 31 other teams that tight ends can go to. And I distinctly remember Hunter Henry saying that he wanted to go to a team that he could win and had a quarterback. Now, whether Cam Newton's going to be the quarterback in New England, I think Hunter Henry was drawn more towards the winning tradition in New England than he was in Jacksonville. So be it. I don't know where John New Smith falls in the category of what the priorities were. Who knows? All I know is that it was slim pickings. Hopefully Gerald Gerald Everett comes around or maybe Zach Ertz. So I'm not going to lose hope quite yet. Yeah, I think they're putting a lot of faith in Cam Newton for those guys going to New England. But there's other reasons to go to New England, like you said. Hey, quick before we go to break, Taven Bryant, where does he fit here, man? What's his future in Jacksonville? I said this, and I understand people laugh, but DeWan Smoot was a guy that was on his way out the door a few years ago. He knew it. I remember interviewing him at training camp, and he's like, hey, this is it. Like, i got to turn it up, or I'm done. He knew it, and he did, and he got a another like moderate deal and then he did it again the last couple of years and now he's gotten a pretty good deal two years 14 million bucks very well done for the former draft pick of the Jags and he's made himself a nice career now can Taven Bryan do that and I understand there's no hope in the in the fan base for Taven Bryan and he's probably earned that but what is his future in Jacksonville uh can Cullen get the best out of a man you were coached by Joe Cullen He's he's a strong, athletic guy, but it just hasn't clicked for him. So here's the thing about Taven Bryan. The thing that Taven Bryan had going for him the past couple of years is that he was a Dave Caldwell guy. He was a Doug Marone guy. He was a Todd Wash guy. So regardless of what the productivity was, they were always going to give him the benefit of the doubt because they took him in the first round. And if he didn't do well, well, then that made the optics look bad of the GM, the head coach, and the defensive coaches. So he always got the benefit of the doubt. You now have Urban Meyer and his defensive staff, you know, spearheaded by Joe Cullen um, and what have you, where they don't care where he was drafted. Okay, they they weren't here for that. Now I'm not sure if Bulky was here. I don't think Bulky was here either, was he? No, nah, he wasn't. Okay, so Bulky nah. wasn't here either. So I'll be honest. Nobody cares that Taven Bryan was a former first round pick, and nobody cares that why well, hey, is he going to get any playing time or is he going to be on the bench as a first round pick. Nobody in that stadium cares right now. So it's going to be on Taven Bryan to earn those reps, which I think is going to be a little difficult because, once again, he's not going to be starting by any means. I'm a little more intrigued, if we're being honest, uh, by Doug Costin than I am by Taven Bryan. So Bryan's got to earn his reps. And if he earns his reps, then Joe Cullen will give him a chance. But I think the day of the freebies and saying, well, this guy's a former first-round pick, let's throw him in there. I don't think anybody cares anymore. And, yeah. and then obviously that doesn't benefit Taven Bryan. But at the same time, if he wants it bad enough and if he applies himself and if he can make the next step forward, then he'll earn his reps and he can showcase his skills. And those skills have to be a two-gapping defensive tackle, which we saw a little bit when he played big defensive end, and it wasn't his forte. Now maybe it comes, maybe he comes around and, and he surprises all of us, but I think those reps are going to be few and far between and hard to earn with that deep defensive tackle unit now. Well, this is all on Taven Bryant because they basically gave up on him halfway through the year last year, Austin, and that was the regime that picked him. they just so frustrated by Taven Bryant. It's been a frustrating career. But they look at him and they see an athletic, big, strong guy, and they're saying, man, he should be so much better, so much more productive. This is on him. But that's why I do liken it to Smoot. And I'm not Smoot probably didn't even have the skill set, the athleticism, all that stuff. But he knew the clock was ticking. Does Taven Bryan know the clock is ticking? 
I don't know that answer. Does he get a chance to shine, contribute, produce? We'll see. Uh, he might be cut by the time the season rolls around. I have no idea. It's just a curiosity of mine if he can flip this thing and turn it around. Uh, and if he fits here in Jacksonville. Well, you played for him, too, man. If someone's going to get the best out of you, Joe Cullen's probably one of those few guys that can probably get the best out no, of you. No, he's, he's getting so. the best out of you for sure, but you still have to earn those reps. You yeah. Know? And man, I'm just not sure if there's enough reps to go around right now for Taven Bryan and earning some and showcasing his skill set. All right, more free agency talk on the way, including the New England Patriots uh, and the wide receivers. What is going on with the wide receivers? Are they commanding too much? Why isn't the market hot for them right now? We talk about it on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690, Action Sports Jacks. The free agency carousel, man, it keeps spinning. Some rumors out there, some speculations. But we got a phone call here. Feel free to give us a shout. Be part of the conversation, 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Q, did I do that right? You did? I'm getting better. Let's go to the phone lines, though. I think we got Steven on the line real quick. Steven, what's going on, man? Hey, not too much. Hey, I forgot to congratulate you yesterday about your win. Pulled a little Samoa Joe trying to put somebody to sleep. <laughs> little uh, coquina clutch, as he calls it. Yeah, oh, man, I yeah, appreciate man. it. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Uh, no problem. Uh, there is one guy I noticed they did uh, sign, and that's uh, – I, I don't want to butcher his first name, but uh, the defensive end from the Ravens, uh, last name Ward. Where do you uh, possibly see him uh, on the defensive line? Uh, all right. Thanks for the call, Steven. Appreciate it. Yeah, so they, they did get Ward. Um, I'm trying to see the deal here of what the, what was offered real quick for him. Um, when we talk about him, like, listen, he's got experience. This is another one of those Joe Cullen signings, right, because he comes from Baltimore. Uh, Urban Meyer was very adamant about saying they're going to hire guys that they know. All right. And Ward coming from Baltimore, they know what this guy brings to the table. I'll be honest, in terms of rotation and depth, that's what I think he's bringing to the table. I'm not sure exactly, you know, in terms of productivity, what he's all about, but I think it's for depth purposes. Um, and that's what I can really tell you right now. I think that if Joe Cullen can co sign on him, uh, it's showing that he's obviously a hard worker. Um, this guy can finish and he plays with, a, let's just say, a chip on his shoulder. I think in terms of where he fits, you know, he's listed as a defensive end. But when you see this guy's size and everything, he's a little on the lighter side. So I'm really, I don't know. I'll be honest with you, Steven. I don't know what they envision with him, what it's going to be like. I'm looking at the, the stats right now, his size and everything. And to me, it screams more of like an outside linebacker type or like a rush package specialist, you know, like in a NASCAR package or a lightning package. So I'll do a little more deep diving. It's kind of a guy that flew underneath the radar a little bit. Another guy like Carlos Hyde, who we haven't really talked about yet. We'll start breaking some of those uh, those under-the-radar free agent signings next year on ESPN 690. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash BoostByTaxDay to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.